0: Welcome back to Redline, a millennial tale of passionate love in the combative workplace set in Boston. Hop on board for the next episode of Pia's Tale here on Redline. The next Redline train to jail is now arriving.
1: After open house and Rod's fiasco on the tennis court, Autumn moved in fast, the days getting colder and darker. School entered its most intense period of the term with seniors and teachers grappling with college applications. Landscapers came every other day and ruptured our peaceful haven with leaf-blowing machinery. Rod was back to his regular work rounds, and I was focused on producing portraits for a group show the Potters were organizing for the following year. I needed samples ready by February. My daily texting with Rod continued, but the lovey-dovey stuff of our first month had faded, and Rod mourned the loss, lamenting frequently. I miss our loving messages, sweetie, even though I knew it had to happen. We're just an old couple now, I said, teasing him. Yeah, but as long as it's not because you're having second thoughts. Hey, don't our knights tell you something? Yeah, but it's not the same thing. Not, not that I'm complaining about the nights, Nor was I. Our nights continued to be the glue that kept us together. In the real world, we had become a little wary of each other. I was afraid of igniting his wrath and he was seeing how my work, my own life, meant he was only one part of it. And so he didn't want to risk his pride by showing too much affection in case I rejected it. I was beginning to see how his world was black and white, this way or that way, with no in-betweens. And sometimes I wondered if his self-protection was more important than our love, or if being who he was, a doer, a fixer, a problem solver, if I was simply a new project for him and a challenging one. At school, I tried to follow Ho's advice and keep Lori separate from my personal realm, but encounters were inevitable. We had weekly check-ins, where I had to sit through her innuendos and insults. And always, she managed to jab at me hard enough to push my buttons of justice and fairness, so that by the time I left her office I felt sick inside, as if my usual balance and sense of goodness had been hijacked by a sadistic force. She's a study in abnormal psychology. I told Rod at dinner time, Yep, I know all about it, and much worse. Though he didn't say it, I knew he was referring to his violent mother and traumatic childhood. Then, the dreaded moment of coaching girls' basketball arrived. Despite watching videos on YouTube with Rod, I had barely learned a thing. And Lori's books just blurred before my eyes. All those diagrams of strategies for scoring points, they meant nothing to me. It was like learning a new language. How can I possibly teach those moves? I asked Rod in bed a day or two before practice started. I can't even make a free throw. And worse, I have no passion. Coaches have to instill passion in their team. Why don't you propose me for the job? I'd really like it. What? Coach for free? You know Lori wouldn't pay you. Leave that up to me. Okay. (laughs) He gave me a sly, confident smile. The next day, I went to see JP in the gym. I knew it was worth it to suggest Rod just in case I could be saved, and J.P. was now buddies with Rod. We had wined and dined him with Louise to make up for Rod's killer shot, and Rod had charmed the table with his stories of past adventures. The guys had hugged goodbye in the parking lot, and now they played tennis once a week at Rod's club. J.P., could we please talk about me coaching girls' basketball, I said when I got to his office. His brown eyes popped at me. But Pia... We hired the coach last month. She starts tomorrow. Didn't Laurie tell you? What? No one told me anything. Oh, I should have told you, love. But I'm always down here and you're always up there. But we have email, and besides, I see Laurie every week. She she should have told me. <laughs> you expect Laurie to? Uh, never mind. He gave me a sad, apologetic look. I'm really sorry, Pia. I should have called. I left the gym and went straight to Lori's office, telling Anita I needed to see her right away. I was standing before Lori's desk delivering my message. I've just been to see JP, and all these weeks have gone by without you telling me you had a coach. She leaned back in her orthopedic chair, folded her hands ponderously over her soft paunch, and considered my words. My anger rose at seeing her smug look. It pleased her to have irked me. She wore a gray skirt that rode way up, showing her spread legs. It looked like two stocks in silver patterned tights. I didn't like her crotch staring at me. Was that intentional? Why don't you tell me more about what's bothering you, she said, like a psychiatrist dealing with a particularly recalcitrant patient. I already said it. I feel I should have been informed that a coach had been hired so that I didn't spend all this time watching videos and looking at those books for something that wasn't going to happen. This is our third meeting since you hired someone and you've never once mentioned it. I guess I didn't think it was that important, Pia, and then it slipped my mind. I don't see how you could view it as unimportant, I said, my face heating up, my heart pounding. It affected the use of my time. It affected my stress level. It was a major factor in planning my weekly curriculum and preparation. I'm sorry you feel that way. You should be happy you're relieved of the duty instead of dwelling on a minor miscommunication." "But it wasn't even a miscommunication, it was zero communication," I said, telling myself to shut up and get out of there before I quit or got fired on the spot. She came down from her comfortable perch then and adjusted random papers on her desk. Maybe you're working for the wrong supervisor. We have to get along if you're going to succeed here. The space whirled around me surreally. Pressure filled my ears and I felt a stranglehold on my whole body as if a snake had just coiled all around it. I left her office in a state of acute unease and bodily torture. I knew but didn't want to accept that I had just received a warning that I wasn't going to last at Haskell, and all because of Lori. For whatever reason, I was the target of her perverse behavior, and no matter what I did, barbs and mines would be laid for me until I perished. I was so grateful for Rod at moments like this. He was always willing to pick up the phone no matter how busy and talk to me. Honey, the trick is you always have to agree with her. You have to have a big, stupid smile on your face and tell her how right she is. And be sure to thank her for pointing out your shortcomings so you can do better in the future. No way! I can't do that! She needed to know she totally inconvenienced me and acted unprofessionally. I'm telling you, sweetie. It's workplace psychology when your boss is a bully. It's the only thing that works. Meanwhile, you better start looking for another job. She's after you. But that sucks, Rod. The workplace sucks. I guess I'll look for a job in Boston. If you're fixated on the city. I thought you liked it too. I do, but maybe not as much as you. Or not yet. I'm sure I can come to love it through your eyes. We'll look for a condo there. But try to understand, I grew up around boats and whaling history. No one ever thought about Boston. It was a distant capital like Washington, D.C. You'll see what I mean this weekend. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that, to meeting your dad. We were going for the weekend to his hometown, or the area, and staying with his best friend, Wyatt Dow. On Saturday, we were taking his dad out for lunch, and I was eager to see the father-son Jean play. See you soon, beautiful. At six? A little later. It's my waffa day. Oh, his voice dropped with a thud. He definitely liked my free time reserved for him. But let's go out for a bite when I get back. Sure, I'll be waiting at your place. At the end of the day, I set out for Waffa's, knowing she had worked from home that day. It was my third visit to her house, and the first time, a Saturday, I had met her husband Walter, just before he dashed out for a rehearsal with his student ensemble. He was a slightly built man with wavy brown hair and a boyish face, the attractive parents had produced the cutest kids, Josh and Chloe, and I watched them that first day as they played on the living room rug while Wafa and I chatted on the couch and perused the family photo albums stored on her computer. We had also looked at other artists' work, their range of styles, so that I had an idea of what appealed to Wafa. "'But I want this painting to come from you,' she had said. "'I love your website, and I know I'll love whatever you do with me and my kids.' On my second visit, I had sketched them alone and together, noting what a challenge it was to render children. Their noses had no bridge, and the tip was a tiny cushion. Their lips were soft beyond soft, and so were their cheeks. Ears were a torture for me and could easily sabotage the goal of tenderness. Luckily, Leonardo and Raphael had left behind the secrets of technique in their great works, and I studied these at night. Waffa's children had to stir her heart every time she looked at the painting, and her deep maternal love had to envelop their cherubic faces that nestled against her. I rang the doorbell and waited. Waffa lived on the second floor of an old Harvard Square mansion that had been converted into condos. The street was quiet with towering trees, as if the hubbub of the congested square only blocks away didn't exist. She buzzed me in and I went upstairs, just as she swung the door open with arms flailing. I'm so sorry, Pia. Francesca took the kids to the library and isn't answering her phone. I totally forgot to remind her about our appointment. And you've driven all this way in that horrible traffic. Please come in. And at least let me make it up to you with a gin and tonic. Oh, you've brought the sketches? I can't wait to see them. A few minutes later, we settled down on the living room couch with our drinks and Wafa paged through my sketch pad. Oh, my babies are so sweet. I want to buy these too. You don't have to buy them. You can have them as soon as I finish the portrait. Frames for all of them. Wallpaper for my bedroom. (laughs) Thank you, Pia. I plan to tell all my friends about you. You'll be so busy. Awesome, I answered, though I was pretty sure I didn't want to paint children for the rest of my life. I liked adults and the life experience that showed in their faces. So, I heard that bitch never told you she had hired a basketball coach. She has serious issues. Ugh, I'm glad I'm not the only one who thinks so. (sighs) she doesn't have a single friend. And I know I'm hypersensitive about being brown, but some of the things she said are definitely offensive. I guess she's safe being married to a Haskell. Damn right she is. The family owns everything, including those gorgeous courts your boyfriend put in. (laughs) Did you notice how she had to go down there several times a day to check on progress? I mean, his bod. At least she has good taste. Poor Ambrose is an alcoholic. I was wondering. His face looked that way. Yup, he's been in rehab a few times. He's much older. Sixties. I wouldn't want to be in that household with Lori's mental issues and Ambrose's drinking. Ugh, and then that sweet little girl caught in the middle. At least she's in school all day. <laughs> What I want to know is what was Lori's Harvard project that she's always tossing into every conversation like she owns the place when I was at Harvard? (laughs) Probably an admin job. You know, updating project spreadsheets for six months. (laughs) I think you're right. I see those jobs posted on their website all the time. What about her name? Why doesn't she go by Haskell? I think she wants to avoid looking like she got the job because of Ambrose. And then she might want to distinguish herself from Ambrose's daughters from his first marriage. They detest her. But if they detest her, wouldn't it be more like her to flaunt the Haskell name in their faces and even around the school? Hey, everyone, I'm a Haskell. Don't mess with me. We'll have to ask JP. He knows everything. So does Dixie, Waffa said. Then she cocked her head to one side with a solicitous smile. I want to hear all about Rod. He looks so sexy. How's it going with him? Um, all right, besides both of us having strong personalities. <laughs> Tell me about it. Walter and I are like two sticks of dynamite ready to go off at the slightest vibration. And do we go off? But Walter seems so sweet. Walter? No way! Talk about strong personalities. I already dread the day when the kids are in their teens and then there's four of us blasting off in the same house. <laughs> She laughed and held her hands over her ears. Then she sank back on the cushions again with the inviting smile. So, Pia, I want to hear more. Like, are you two talking about living together? A little bit. We're testing the waters with our four to five nights a week. That's good. What's his house like? Big. Awful. Shit, I'd give anything to live in big and awful. Not this big. Don't be too sure. I like to have a place big enough for humongous wild parties with a pool lit by floodlights. That's the way to get money flowing to charities. (laughs) Even Rod says it's too big. He bought it as an investment when the economy tanked in 2008. Smart. You want a good money manager for a husband. Walter could care less. We're not talking marriage yet, but if we do end up living together, we're thinking Boston. Ugh, you'd have the commute. Look at me dealing with Cambridge. Boston's worse. But, of course, you'd be going against the rush hour. I'd look for a different job. No! I want you at Haskell! And I love it at Haskell, but if I had to choose between it and Boston, I'd choose Boston. Yeah, I don't blame you. I couldn't live in Wessex. It's one of those gorgeous New England suburbs and totally boring." She curled onto her right hip, elbow on the couch cushion behind us, and spoke intimately. So, let me get to the point. What's he like in bed? (laughs) Uh, um, he's great. Sometimes I worry that's the only reason I'm with him. Well, it's a pretty good reason. Though, obviously, you're right. You need more than that. But I have to admit, I've been pretty grumpy lately about exactly that. And I've been canvassing all of my married friends. They feel the same. The seven-year itch is a real thing. I'm bored. (laughs) Yeah, Rod keeps lamenting how we have to savor these days because soon it'll be all humdrum. And that's when you have to have something else tying you together. Yeah, like kids, family life. Yeah, but let's face it, kids also drive you apart. And they don't go to bed with you. Oh, I'm so ready to have kids. I know the feeling, but don't rush it. You've got to be sure. I know. And you and Walter have Cambridge, Harvard, friends who share your interests. I'm not exactly clear on Rod's intellectual life. Then take it slowly. Walter and I really do enjoy the same things. Music, books, travel. Can you two at least talk to each other? Yeah, but... So far, not much about my painting or art and culture. He's great when it comes to talking about people, like Lori and relationships. He's perceptive. Well, you have time. And just remember that you're worth a lot, and he's got to value you. I want to have you two over for a dinner so I can really check him out. I know. Let's have a party. We can invite Dixie and JP and Louise, obviously Ho and Jim, Betsy, Mike, spouses. I'll make it a holiday party, early December, before everyone's totally booked. How does that sound? That sounds awesome. We can all bring something. Even better. I left for home feeling content inside. I didn't get a chance to sketch the kids that day, but my cozy time with Wafa had filled me with eagerness to see my man and put my arms around him. I wanted family life like Wafa's and wondered if I could make that happen with Rod.
0: Thank you for listening to episode nine of Redline. Redline is written by G.D. Spilsbury and narrated by Anna Gravel, directed and produced by Fred Greenhalgh, with assistant producer Grace Waldron. Redline is dedicated to Jim Cantor and Brooke Lambert. If you've enjoyed this Redline story, please tell your friends about us and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Leaving reviews allows us to get more listeners, like yourself, so we can keep bringing you good stories. Learn more about Redline at redlinepodcast.com. That's redlinepodcast.com. Have you been wanting to lose weight and get healthy? Now's the perfect time to start Nutrisystem. Enjoy your favorite foods made healthier, delivered free to your door. Right now, you can get Uniquely Yours Ultimate, our most complete foolproof plan at an amazing price. Order today and save 50%, plus get an extra $40 off. Go to Nutrisystem.com slash save and discover what millions of people already know. Nutrisystem works. Limitations apply. See website for full offer details. How much is $20 million?